Live from the Talking Joe Studios, it's Talking Joe with Chief and Chris. Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief. I'm joined as always by my buddy, Chris, aka Diagnostic AT from the Fourth Force and Talking Joe. How are you doing, sir? Well, <laughs> let's get straight into it. I, I think uh, we're going to. I feel bad. I feel bad for the listeners. I feel bad for everyone involved because, again, just like last week, straight off the bat, we've got to go inside Chief's mind. Ah! Go for it. Go for it. I don't it. want to scare people off again two weeks in a row. Um, Bear with me, I'm going to try and keep this as concise as possible, and at the end of it, I'm going to let you decide what was uh, getting on, you know, my goat grinding my gears this week. Um, so, I have been under the weather, last sort of four or five weeks I've had a cold, I've also had a cough, I went to the GPs and got prescribed some antibiotics, a seven day course of amoxicillin, three times a day if you please. Right. And that course finished last Thursday. Now, also, quick note to the readers, we're actually recording this on Sunday. We would normally record on a Wednesday to put it live on a... This, we're drawing back the curtains. Inside, not only Chief's mind, but inside Chris <laughs> inside and Chris, Chief's world. Inside Chief and Chris's curtains. Yeah, peering inside. Uh, don't look, you might not like what you see. <laughs> but, um, we've normally recorded on a Wednesday, released on a Thursday. Uh, but I, as always... Gave Chris about five minutes notice uh, this morning, would have been about, I guess, 8am his time, when I messaged him saying, oh yeah, by the way, I don't think I can record this Wednesday, so uh, when are you free? And he said, today, because uh, that's the kind of guy he is, he has no life. No, <laughs> I, I, no I, tell you, I I figure he was just, uh, is just you know, loves to record, um, so he was up for it. So anyway, we're recording uh, on very short notice, but Sunday, like I said, so... The um, course of antibiotics finished on Thursday. The doctor, the GP, had said to me, if the symptoms haven't cleared up, the the chest tightness and the coughing, then uh, go and get a chest x-ray. And here's a printed off form. You can just go to a walk-in clinic and do that. So on the Friday, the symptoms had not cleared up. And I couldn't go to uh, the walk-in centre. There's actually a close one to me five minutes away because I was going to a funeral on the Friday. Actually, a quick tip of the cat to my uh, great uncle Mick who passed away recently oh. his funeral aged 84 in fact he wasn't even my great uncle he was it's one of those ones where it's my mum's cousin but because the age gap between me and him was like 40 years so he I guess he would be my second cousin I think that's how it works but because the age gap was like 40 years to me he was always uncle Mick makes sense. so he's one of those aunties or uncles who aren't really your aunties or uncles but yeah I went to his funeral he's 84 uh, really nice funeral I learned a few things when my actual uncle, my mum's brother, went to his house last week to tidy up a few bits and pieces. In one of his cupboards, he found a jar full of teeth. Wow. Uh, of all things. And apparently, great uncle Mick never went to the dentist, used to pull all his own teeth out and kept them in a jar. Wow. And then my real uncle Billy buried them outside next to the apple tree for some reason. So, Is there a teeth tree growing there now? Whoever's in that house next, uh, when they dig up that in like five, ten years, what the hell's gone on here? Dead bodies everywhere. They're going to think it's a burial ground. Yes, correct. But yeah, tip of the cap to Uncle Mick. But anyway, back to the story. So I couldn't go to the walk-in centre on Friday. Um, Saturday, um, my parents visited to see the granddaughter, so you know, it wasn't really an opportunity. And then today I woke up, my chest really tight, and the missus said, look, you know, you need to see if you can get a walk-in appointment so in the uk we've got this thing called uh dial 111 and it's call handlers and they try and get you an out of hours doctor's appointment and obviously because we've got the nhs over here everything's free they they said okay fine if you just need to go for an x-ray you can go to croydon 
which is about 10 minutes down the road from me, and get your x-ray done uh, in the hospital. So I arrived at the hospital, found out later that um, this Croydon University Hospital used to be called uh, Mayday Hospital, or as my wife, who is a nurse, not at that hospital, used to say, we used to call it Mayday, because if you go there, wow. there's a good chance you're not coming out. Apparently one of the worst hospitals in the UK. Great. And they recently changed their name, and you'll see why they had to quickly change this change, because they changed their name to the Croydon University NHS Hospital, uh, NHS Trust. <laughs> now, if you just take NHS and just use the N, you can see the inac- acronym for that is C-U-N-T. So they decided we can't really have that. So they just changed it to the Croydon University Hospital. Oh, my goodness. That is an admin error. Right I there. hope someone got like lost their job. No, in fact, I hope someone got promoted <laughs> for that. Just for the giggles, for the lulls. Amazing. So anyway, I arrive there early this morning at about 8.30, I think it was. Got shuffled around like, you know, three or four people, as you do always, you know, the receptionist and a nurse then someone else go down through these. And everyone's just like, as if you should know where you're going, go through these double corridors, turn left, turn right, see the grey door, wave at the rainbow, uh, see the lucky leprechaun, then go round the corner, up the flight of stairs, and there you are. (coughs) Yeah, as if you should, oh yeah, I can follow all those directions. But anyway, I managed to find my way to the uh, x-ray area, and the woman on the reception said oh no you this is not for this hospital and i said well this is just a walk-in appointment from a gp she said i can go anywhere oh you're not on my system i was like okay can you add me to the system oh well okay i'll try all right fine so wow. then you know i sit down in the waiting room there's only two other people there i start i took some comics with me i was reading uh war of the realms which is the current marvel six-part series about Thor and uh, Dark Elf Malekith invading um, Midgard and everything. It's big, big uh, crossover. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. I was midway through issue six, which is the final issue when my name gets called, except they call the wrong name. <laughs> they call uh, my dad's name. And I was like, that's not me at all. Because uh, I've got my dad's name as my middle name. So what they've done is, you know, they've, they've called, she's input the details wrong. So then I was mentioned that and she said, oh, you have to wait till we correct it. Another half an hour. Finally go in, have my chest, chest x-rayed, go back to the front reception, and I say, right, now can I see the out-of-hours GP? Oh, yeah, you, you have to take a seat. So I took a seat, waiting another half an hour. Bloody Got hell. in to see a nurse, does my blood pressure and all that. Uh, and then she says, okay, you can go back to the, the waiting area. I was like, where's the GP then? Oh, no, you've got to wait. I said, how long's the wait? She said, oh, about three to four hours. I was like, you're kidding me, right? She said, you'll be better off going to an um, out-of-hours GP. I said, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to see an out-of-hours GP. Oh, no, you're in the accident emergency area. Bloody hell. So I said, how do I get an out-of-hours GP appointment? She goes, oh, you've got to phone back up to 111 and they'll book one for you. So I was like, okay. So I phoned 111. They said, oh, no, because you've already phoned us earlier and we've kind of diagnosed and treated your case, we can't now book you an out-of-hours GP appointment because it's the same, it's the same, you're you're reporting the same symptoms. That's so ridiculous. Well, I'll report different symptoms. You know, I've got a bad leg now. Get me a GP for that. So she said, no, idiot. we can't do that, sir. Absolute idiots. So then I went back to reception and I said, look, is there a, an actual walk-in clinic somewhere? And they said, yeah, there's a walk-in clinic about, you know, two miles away. No, probably not even that, about one mile away. And I said, well, what's the waiting list, wait, wait time there? She said, I don't know, I'll phone them. She phoned them and uh, I said, okay, what's the deal? She says, oh, there's no one there. Oh, bloody hell. So I could have gone there in the first, well, I wouldn't have got my x-ray then there, but I could have just gone straight there after the x-ray. Um, so anyway, make my way over there, see the GP. And I was like, I'm still got these symptoms. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I can't really hear anything in your lungs. 
So I was like, well, can you give me some antibiotics to you know clear it up? Oh, no, I, I don't think we can do that. So at the end of it, she and she couldn't access the x-ray results. So at the end of it, I had an x-ray done that no one can access. I didn't even get the tablets. Then I had to come home, got home at about 1.30, left the house about 8. So it's five and a half hours. Well, at least you're fitter gonna, now, right? Well, well. <laughs> <coughs> what was that you said or not <laughs> yeah, or yeah. not yeah um so there hell, you man. go that's uh that's inside chief's mind basically the whole shebang is uh grinding my gears this week so basically the blooming nhs is, well uh, i'm never gonna sl- i'm never gonna slag off the nhs because you know what i mean it's free health well it's, i suppose it comes out of a taxes As bloody hell now i pulled the ring pull on this bottle i'm about to drink and it snapped off and i can't even get into it everything's coming up mill house today oh, for chief God. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Mate, I was about to say, this is a new segment of the show. As with all new segments of the show, I give Chris no prior warning. It was going to be beverage of choice for the show. Beverage for the show. Beverage for the show. Now I am going to go and drink my beverage for the show. Each week we were going to have a new beverage that we never had before. And this week I've got Bundaberg. Ginger beer, Australian family owned. Interesting. Craft brewed over three days. Ginger beer. <laughs> and it's like. got a ring, it's a bo- glass bottle with a ring pull metal top. And the ring pull has snapped off in my finger, <laughs> leaving the metal top still in place. Uh, so I cannot even drink my uh, Bundaberg. Amazing. So, uh, now I'm going to have to buy another one. Uh, for next week's show. Well, considering you've just sprung this on me now, I don't actually have a beverage of choice. No, right? no, that's so, fine. I'll, it was just going to be. It was going to be uh, first show. I'll introduce a segment. I'll have one, and the next week we can have one each. But it turns out we're both going to have one next week, <laughs> and that's going to be the first time. So. <laughs> There's another thing that's grinding my gears: stupid ring pulls on on bottles that break <laughs> off in your finger. Is it kind of like a retro style then? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it's nice, nice looking bottle. It's like a stubby. Three seven five mils. Done all that is for the for the American listeners. Announces sixteen dollars or something. I don't know. Looks looks nice. Um, Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what it's like. Actually, tastes like next week. I'll put a picture up so people can uh, have a look at what I didn't drink. Amazing. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. (laughs) I I feel I feel like not even worth saying what happened to me yesterday. After all that, but I. I have this like thing called like it, it, the the doctors have never been able to really work out what it is, but it is quite common in people, and it's a thing called exercise induced migraine, and it's wow. basically when you overexert yourself, you get this weird. They call it an aurora in your eyes, uh, where your I think the the blood isn't getting to like the optic nerves, or it's basically being kind of like. Like the back of your neck is um, like the muscle is like really contracting the, uh, the blood flow into the brain, and basically what it does is it kind of makes this weird aurora effect in your eyes, and it lasts for about half an hour. Once that passes, uh, so it's it's almost it's really weird. It's like a it's like a looking through an imperfection in glass, so you can't focus on anything. It's really oh, wow. disconcerting, really uncomfortable. It's not painful at that point, but it's just annoying and very kind of i don't know always makes you feel a little sick that that passes and then you get this huge migraine build as the blood pummels into your head and you know like the the muscle relaxes in the back of your neck and it just kind of flies in there yep. and that creates this horrible migraine which kind of leads again to real in, like intense nausea and it kind of knocks me out for about three hours. Well, yesterday we had like family come over. This happened in the morning, and I wasn't yep. even exercising. I wasn't right. even doing anything intensive. So it's it has happened before when I haven't done anything. 
it's um in actual fact it it's light sensitive sometimes or most of the time as well so i think i turned the light off in the bathroom and was looking directly at it and so it kind of made this flash and i walked over to the i was doing the laundry at the time doing the washing yeah. and all of a sudden i start i just realized i just noticed that it, i wasn't focusing in certain areas i'm like oh so then I knew it was about to to happen. So there's nothing I can do about it. I've tried numerous things. Um, yeah. This kind of like weird. It's almost like a it's almost like a headache pain reliever uh, tablet, which is kind of like a wafer which you put on okay. your tongue and then it dissolves in. But I, they say to take. They used to say take that as the symptoms show, and it should you know negate the the migraine never worked never worked right. ever I'm all, I'm, my body's always been one for completely rejecting western medicine it's always okay. just been like no we're just gonna we're gonna get over it you're gonna have to go through the <laughs> and then come out the other end um you know that's just how it is so i get this horrible bloody migraine all day family come over to you know and i'm basically in bed till like five o'clock in the afternoon i kind of finally got out of bed trying i you i have to try and sleep it off because being awake during it is just absolute like agony so and it's not comfortable like you know it's not like i get a good a good amount of sleep i just have to like try and be like you know unaware of what's going on the whole time so eventually it kind of, it doesn't pass either so today this morning i've still got this headache but it is definitely not as bad as it was. I don't have the nausea and it's kind of, you know, so there isn't that kind of relief afterwards. It's just, it's just this constant grind until it passes away. So yeah, uh, I've got that still this morning, bit kind of groggy. And um, yeah, so it's it was a bit of a bit of a waste of a day yesterday. And Grim. yeah, but today I'm kind of like, I'm determined to just do as much as I can. So the um, last thing you wanted was uh, Chief messaging at eight AM saying, "Oh, we got to do the pod today." <laughs> maybe the first, <laughs> maybe it was the first thing I wanted. Yeah, uh, takes my mind off it. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's just shit, absolute crap. So I'm, you know, I I feel bad after the crap you went through, just to yeah. have moaning about like you know a day's worth of loss for me. <laughs> but um, no, I uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to hit these special missions up. Let's, well, good segue, because uh, let's bring everyone's mood back up uh, as we talk about some G.I. Joe comics. Comic talk, oh, comic talk. Larry Hammer writes them, Chief and Chris discuss them, whoa. Comic talk, oh, comic talk. Larry Hammer writes them, Chief and Chris discuss them, whoa. Special mission treat today, we've got uh, 18, 19, 20 and 21. Boom. And we're starting with uh, 18, which is called Extraction. Uh, this is the usual team, Harmer, Trimpe, Mazinski, Felix and Yomtov. And cover here, we've got Snake Eyes uh, creeping up on a couple of, of bodies on a on A couple platform. of pirates. <laughs> a couple of pirates. <laughs> and this is a... Uh, I like this, quite like this cover. It's beautiful. It lets you know that some bad uh, shiz is going to go down. And this is actually a kind of epilogue piece to the special missions 15 and 16 where the guys were were in tibet and in that the valley of the lost dying son of of the dragon <laughs> kingdom or whatever it's called yeah chomo lungma i believe That's it, the, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah you know it better than i do yeah so the crew we've got here effectively is uh chuckle snake eye skull and iceberg and they're going down river waiting to be extracted and they end up in kind of a a pincer thing because um we've got uh, October Guard are on the scene. You've got Voltar, 
um, and some Iron Grenadiers on the scene there supporting this, uh, what's, what's the band it called? Big Tep, I think his name is. We come across Big Tep and his band of like, I don't know, I don't know the, the, the amount of political statements that get mentioned in this issue is quite yeah. dramatic. And then obviously he's being backed up by Destro and Mars and the Iron Grenadiers and, and like he's getting all of the, you know, the weapons and the... Um, What's the uh, consult con- consultations from that's it. Voltar and the Iron Grenadiers? So they're basically that's their side, and then the October Guard are with uh, General Lom, who is the opposing forces in the region. And again, we're getting this kind of like situation where GI Joe are caught in the middle uh, yep. of this political mess, and they um, basically are reacting to the the basically the the brutal attack on this poor farmer who is just getting his you know his head kicked in and his hands shot <laughs> by yep, big yep. tep's minions what's interesting actually is there's a there's a scene where one of the minions of big tep is hammering up a poster a big tep wants you poster and yeah. he looks identical to the to the the face the big tep face on the poster so i thought that was big tep when when i was reading uh, this okay the first yeah time. that makes yeah 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 and then you don't you you find out later that big tep's not even anywhere near it he's nowhere near it and one of the like snake eyes decides he's gonna uh help the old man while the other guys are kind of umming and ahhing as to jurisdiction and it's too dangerous for us it's not our fight uh, they're having this conversation, and Snake Eyes just nips away and basically does a job on them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just murders them up. And then obviously the other guys have to react, react and retaliate, and make sure they, you know, cover Snake Eyes. Iceberg throws a grenade and takes out the boat. Scarlet shoots up someone else. That iceberg, he's basically about a hundred meters away, and he lobs this grenade. It's a proper curveball, and it lands right in the boat. So it's absolute beauty of a throw, peach. isn't it? Yeah absolute so, cobbler a peach yeah. cobbler and then <laughs> well I like a peach cobbler <laughs> so do i and then um obviously one of them gets away the farmer and the joes then start chatting away about you know what 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 is kind of basically get all the kind of uh information starts flooding in then as, as to who big tep is and what this farmer is in relation and the fact that he's built this land over 10 years and built this amazing kind of I don't know, structure to irrigate his farm and, and grow yep. crops and all this kind of Get stuff. Get his and water buffaloes on. Exactly. And the poor bugger gets caught in the middle of this hideous fracas. Um, and then, so that he, he helps kind of, he helps the Joes out. But then obviously we get the October Guard then, don't we? They, jo- they yeah. join the, the fray. So is he kind of there just to, to, to show that the common man gets caught in pretty much all, all struggles? Well, he actually helps to in, to basically fill out the history of the conflict, and that you know a lot of Big Tep's forces ended up, or I say Big Tep's forces, Big Tep is what I think was the result of this uh, kind of upsurge. But basically, there was a a hatred towards intellectuals, uh, so all the teachers and all of the the people that were deemed intellectual, and then people with glasses were all killed, yep. you know, wiped out. He was basically the last remnant of the intellectuals but he became a farmer anyway because there was nothing left to do um and the funny thing is he was on the side not on the side but his views were that the western world were ruining their particular culture and so he said it's funny they didn't even bother to ask if i was on their side or not so like he's been persecuted despite being of you know that political viewpoint so there's a lot of again loads of complexity here from hammer Um, and all the Joes want to do is get an extraction out of this exactly, uh, this area. Exactly. So 
they call in the extraction so uh, and that will lead into the next issue but the extraction team are like on their way but in the meantime we get the october guard yeah so then we see uh, the october guard um and i think you've got who have you got here you've got dana and colonel Breakov and uh dragonski Scott, yeah, actually yeah. they're all there aren't they yeah pretty much they're all there and they're horror like show. you said horror <laughs> show yeah they're advising uh, general lom who wants to kind of crush these as like you mentioned there's quite a lot of political intrigue and and a lot of gray lines like there's no uh, really defined who the good guys or bad guys are yeah yeah between these obviously we know gi joe's are the good guys but between these other two groups and i kind of like the way the october guard for all their appearances have they've kind of straddled that line they're effectively the soviets so by that nature they're kind of deemed to be the bad guys but they're kind of like the the honorable kind of section of of their military and you know you you kind of root for the october guard every time they're in the pages well i do anyway yeah they're like like i mean they're like the gi joe but from russia and it's weird to say that because they that but i think that's the that's the kind of thing larry tried to do as well with it like he he didn't want to obviously they're never going to be like proper allies they're never going to be side by side unless they need to be like unless they're forced to which kind of happens the majority of the times that they're brought in yeah so yeah i mean it's always like the uh enemy of mine enemy is my friend kind yeah. of scenario yeah. isn't it yeah i think the i think their appearance here is worthwhile uh, i'm not sure about voltaire and the iron grenadiers i don't i don't know why i don't know what they add to it i mean i know he needed uh big tep needed a military force but i don't know what Voltaire and the Iron Grenadiers really added whether why it just couldn't be a general military force. Yeah, like were um, they shoehorned in or not? Or was there? Do, do you feel? Oh yes, yeah, I mean it's always nice to see some Iron Grenadiers and demons and stuff. But well, for for one, I think it's a case of we need to get these in the comic. We need to we need these visual. We need these figures to yeah, okay yeah to be in there. But at the same time, I get what you're saying. Like in reality, they would just have weapons. I think they wouldn't even they wouldn't have. Iron Grenadiers and Voltar no. on the scene because Voltar needs to be like next to Destro most of the time. Like they, you know, exactly. he needs to be his right hand man. So I feel like it works with what Larry did here. I think you know yep. if you you know you've got to get them in there, and this is a good way of doing it. It's like well, you can be a consultant. You know, it gets Voltar on the scene and it shows you what his kind of tactical awareness is like. Um, that's that's another thing. There's a lot of. And this is something actually in all of these issues that we're looking at today. Larry goes into absolute depth with strategy. And yes. it's really interesting because, I mean, that takes, you know, for him to kind of flesh a story out is one thing. But then to kind of like get all those details of, you know, we're going to send, you know, like heat signatures and, and all this stuff to kind of fool this these guys and all that, and that kind of yep. stuff. And obviously that's later on. But in this one, it's all about positioning and you know like the the october guard and general general lom not the october guard general lom crushes the guy's farm to get in like strategic position and then it rains Uh, and the rain it's obviously threatens the all of the heavy artillery sinking into the mud so they have to move again but obviously the big tep and his forces use the rain as a you know because they know the region an advantage for them so then they yep. start attacking, and and I just think there's loads of strategy in here, and even Voltar talks about, you know, don't let them get into the forest because then they'll be able to uh, flank us and all this kind of stuff, and it's just like a lot goes into this, like you know, a lot more than you think in you know goes into this that you just you know you can sometimes read past and not really take into consideration, but yeah, there's loads of stuff like that in this issue. Yeah, 
really nice panel towards the end where um it's all coming to a conclusion here and big tep's got the old farmer dude he's about to he's basically he knows he's hiding i know you're hiding the gi joes because uh, you've got secret caches where you hide your rice from the tax collector and all that sort of <laughs> stuff and he's about to shoot him and then um tep and his uh, two lackeys fall down dead and then three joes burst out of the roof scarlet iceberg and snake eyes that's a really cool panel where they kind of just laying down fire and then as with a lot of stories recently from from larry they all kind of just wrap up in either two or in this case just a single page because we're in the middle of a firefight and then the final page just says later at the top <laughs> and you know you're led to believe that the two forces have either retreated or wiped each other out yeah they're just waiting for the extraction and then they say to the old man come with us and he goes no you know this is my land and this is where i'll stay etc and then you see what looks to be possibly a tomahawk coming down to pick them up and then this actually segues which i couldn't remember at the time into issue 19 which tells the story of how that tomahawk got to the extraction site before we get to that that story though you mentioned there that you know it wrapped up so quickly and we don't know what happened but what does happen is that the iron grenadiers chase they chase general lom's forces uh so they basically give chase with the retreating Uh, force yeah of course so they're taken away from the battlefield and obviously big tep is left behind with a couple of other guys of his of his crew to threaten the old man so it's really a case of them well like basically clearing out uh, the joes yeah. obviously clean up all of the the rest of the dead bodies and that later just insinuates that those forces have disappeared off into their chase and yeah and i forgot the general general lom actually got capped off didn't he yeah he got killed yeah yeah i forgot about that yeah i mean what what, what are you thinking here do you want to now that I think about it, do we rank this as a single issue or do we rank 18 and 19 as one? Well, I mean, I guess they kind of are separate, really. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they're two separate stories. They just link together in a in a, a symbi- symbiotic way. But I, w- yeah. I would say that they can definitely be, you know, done as separate issues. Yep. OK, well, you far away first, my friend. What are you giving it? I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, again, although, the, you know, it's one of those issues where Joe is minimal um they 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 kind of they do their bit at the beginning and kind of at the end but for the most part it's about the history of what's been going on in the area october guard general lom and the iron grenadiers and big tep so there's this kind of like there's loads of nice little cute reveals like that it's like oh the reveal voltar and destro are on big tep's side is like oh cool and then it's yep. like, oh, the October Guard are on General Lom's side. Oh, amazing. And then the Joes again get caught in the middle of it, come out smelling of roses, as as they always do. Yep. And uh, again, like I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good issue, fast-paced, full of action, you know, had had lots going on going for it. So I'm going to I'm going to pop it in like a a very solid, a very high 7. High 7. I have of of these four issues I'm reading, I'm giving three of them sevens. One is going to be a low seven, one's going to be a medium seven, one's going to be a high seven, and then another issue which will not be scoring a seven. And this particular one is the medium seven. It's a mid-seven for the Chief. Good shout. Uh, Moving on to issue 19, and this is called Getting There. And this is, I think it's the same crew here, yeah, Harma, Trimpe, Mazinski, Felix and Yomtov. And like I mentioned previously, this is the journey of the Tomahawk from all the way from the USS Flag to the extraction point to rescue the G.I. Joe team there in Thailand. Cover here. This is an Andy Kubert cover. Beautiful. Second one. He's got quite a few more coming up. Um, Smudger on Instagram was mentioning, actually, uh, he didn't know that Andy Kubert did covers. He did cover to Real American Hero 91, which we covered on the last episode. Mm. And he was curious to know if there's more. And I think I 
dug up that there's about another sort of seven or eight uh, Andy Kubert covers across Special Missions and Real American Hero coming up. So um, I'm a big fan of, of his X-Men stuff, so I always enjoy his covers here. So this is uh, Muskrat uh, with his uh, shotgun pointing out the side of the Tomahawk firing at. We don't really know who this is yet, but um, we find out later in the episode. It just looks like a kind of a pilot. Uh, you don't can't really tell from that cover whether it's a helicopter pilot or a or an aeroplane, but um, good action we, shot. That's beautiful. And like, yeah, he's like, you say, if you don't want to give any spoilers away, it's uh, yeah, we do find out. But yeah, very awesome uh, cover. And again, ha- this kind of stuff does happen in the in the issue. So I'm again a big fan of that. I'm such. I don't know why I have to keep saying it every time. I'm just not a fan when the cover doesn't match what happens inside. Uh, right. With the obviously exception of like variants and retailer incentive covers, but like. If the main cover doesn't, you know, do exactly what it says in the tin, then forget it. Also, that's yeah. a, that's a British colloquialism. <laughs> <laughs> Ron yeah. Seal does exactly what it says on the tin. This is Ron Seal quick drying wood stain. You can't miss it. It comes in a tin with Ron Seal quick drying wood stain on it. It protects and it's rainproof in about thirty minutes, which means in about thirty minutes your wood's rainproof and protected. So if you've got wood to stain and you want it to dry quickly, use Ron Seal quick drying wood stain. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Yes, getting there. So we start on the USS flag. Yeah, and uh, this is, uh, I, I'm assuming you like this crew here, Repeater, Muskrat, Lifeline. 100%. Uh, Beautiful. Lift ticket, Wild Bill. Good crew. Great crew. Tomahawk is a massive favourite of mine. Take a look at the new G.I. Joe Tomahawk. Look, Cobra's attacking the Arstriker. Tomahawk to the rescue. Tomahawk holds eight Joes and it's loaded for battle. Yo, Joe! Tomahawk's gonna chase some Cobra. Tomahawk is on the go. Tomahawk's gonna chase some Cobra and rescue G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Live the adventure of G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe Tomahawk. Other Joe and Cobra figures sold separately. Yo, Joe! I'm not going to be talking about it in Chris Talks Toys, so I'll, I'll, I'll stop you right there. But, Interesting. I thought you would have been, but no. Okay. But I will. Um, I will because obviously the tomahawk comes up pretty much in every issue, so I'll, I get yeah. my opportunity again. But um, okay. and it will be talked about because it's an absolute stunner. But I have to say that I, I just I love these stories, and um, this is for me. This is more a special missions than the previous one. Now I I know I gave it as high seven, but that's mainly because of the story. As a special mission, yep. you've got a lot of Joes in there that are just general Joes. <laughs> Not to be confused with Generals <laughs> Joes by Justin Bell. But, you know, you've got Snake Eyes that just fits in any mission. Scarlet, who, again, does the same thing. And Chuckles, who seems to be kind of in a lot of these covert ops, right, for obvious reasons. Yeah. And then you've got Iceberg, who's a winter specialist. You could have uh, you could have chopped and changed those, couldn't you, really? They, they, like you said, their specialist skills weren't necessarily no. key to the mission they were on previously in the Valley of the Hidden Drunk monkey master and this extraction thing but like i think what you're going to go on to say is the the joes that are on this particular rescue mission uh, is a is a as a good choice of of skill sets yeah and also we get a we get like a good rounded team for an extraction mission you've got like a lifeline rescue a trooper you've got muskrat who again is is kind of a versatile guy but you you're more than likely going to use him in a swamp setting but here he's like He's just good to have on hand as a, a grunt. Repeater, heavy machine gunner, and obviously you've got your crew, your uh, lift ticket and Wild Bill, who, let's face it, are probably the best in the business when it comes to extraction and, yep. uh, the, you know, they're, they're the top-level pilots for the helicopters in the C-130, in my opinion. Agree, agree. 
and like you said, it does feel more special missiony because you know even from just taking off, they're given sealed orders which they can't open till yeah. the USS flag's not in sight. They're carrying all this uh, f- extra fuel. Yeah. So they can make the journey and, you know, that kind of feels like, oh, something's going to come into play there. Are they, you know, what's going to happen with this fuel? You kind of get a feeling that they're going to run low at some point. Yeah, they hit a lot of kind of speed bumps almost immediately as they get, uh, like, as they kind of hit the coast. They're talking about, you know, I, I prefer doing these missions because they the enemy don't have the kind of weaponry that's going to kind of hurt us. But lo and behold they the enemy do have decent radar installation they yep. track them as they come they they obviously they're flying very low on the on the water but as they get to the coast they have to get some altitude and that obviously they end up blipping on the radar and then they come under heavy fire at yeah. the is it a dam i believe it's like some sort it is of a dam yeah yeah Re- yeah there's a cool shot there where they get bracketed yeah and um they're all blacked out and then they get lit up and just before that really nice panel i like where repeaters pouring wild bill of coffee and um i love wild bill's tash yeah it's a beauty it's like it's like got shape to it it's a beauty it's a real you know that is a great panel you know just to showcase off a a proper cowboy tash wild bill has got some of the most personality in a gi joe design hasn't he and that's saying something for yeah that line really yeah yeah, love some Wild Bill. Um, but yeah, like you said, they're, they're, they're just getting nailed all over the shop here. It's amazing how much damage this tomahawk takes and still keeps going. <laughs> yeah, it's already been shot up massively and it's a smoking trail. And then later on it gets hit by exploding rockets and stuff. Nice little kind of, I like this interlude and this is quite clever to break up the, the kind of non-stop action and just getting from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, they've, they've lost their compass, so... They see a like a junker. Is it like a little a boat? junker? Yeah, it's kind of like a just a. They're not. Are they smugglers? Yeah, I think they're probably smugglers. And Lifeline, you know, pops down and they do a bit of parlay and they do a bit of trade, and he manages to swap his GI Joe digital watch, which looks pretty high tech. I want that for a, com- for a compass. <laughs> um, yeah, I want that. And um, yeah, it's kind of just a nice sort of interlude to, to break up what's going on. That reminds me of the Action Force watch that you could get as a mail away offer on one of the early leaflets like the the, the okay. kind of uh, figure leaflets at the bottom it had like all like yep. the fan club stuff and it had the watch and everything and I, I funnily enough i did pick one up recently well recently probably about three years ago now but okay. when <laughs> recently but yeah. when um i was at um my mate dave tree's shop all the cool stuff uh like about you know quite a while back he had a box again full like it, it, i told the story about him having loads of mutons yep. he also had I might have said it actually then, but he had like about 30 of these mail-away watches that he managed to get oh, wow. overstock of. None of them work, and you can't actually get okay. in to change the battery. That's the really sad thing about it. There's no uh. screw area, but it just looks really cool like to have a camouflage you know, watch with no readout with Action Force written on it. Nice. I wonder if you could... Yeah, I suppose if you jimmied it open, you're probably going to have to super glue it back somehow. But I guess there's a way of doing it, and you could probably get it done at a, like a, like, you know, like a, a specialised uh, repair yeah. watch repair shop and stuff. They could probably bust it open and then reseal yeah. it or something, yeah. Well, um, we'll find an image. We'll stick an image up so people can uh, know what we're talking about there. True that. Back to the action. Then, then we see w- what this cover is all about, and this is a pilot of a... Hind, I don't know, is it Hind D or a Hind E? I'm not really too up on my Hinds. Yeah, the Hind Ds. Hind Ds, there's a hind pair of D's them. Hind Ds nuts. Yeah, there's a pair of them and um, the Joes kind of fly between them 
And then there's, you know, a nice little bit of comedy. The, 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 the guys say, oh, that could be the October God helicopter. I hear that Dana's a real looker. And obviously <laughs> they've got to look at Wild Bill and he does not look like a, a, a fine looking lady like Dana. So they then just re- realise, oh, it's a twin, twin rotor configuration. It must be the G.I. Joe Tomahawk because there's no other possible helicopters yeah. with uh, twin rotors. So anyway, they, they engage. And again, more firefight and, um, good, you know, real good action scenes here. Yeah, and we get a repeater kind of unloading as well, which looks really cool like out the side of the, the, the chopper. We get this amazing kind of dogfight, uh, which again, G.I. Joe comics, I find, are at their best when we see aerial combat. Like, they yeah. really are so much fun to read when there's like, you know, like a, a fighter pilot kind of battle or, in this case, helicopters. And... Yeah. It's just real, like again, like just loads of beautiful scenes. There's some, like again, like they didn't have to do loads and loads of jungle background, but there's some great shots where you're looking out from under the canopy at the helicopter battle, and you're yep. looking down on them flying over the trees. And I just think there's some real beauty here in in the panels, and and it, it flows well. You can follow it; it's not confusing. But yeah, there's loads of exposition to kind of keep you like up to date with what's happening and it's just great i just i think it's brilliant yeah great stuff and he mentions repeater kind of early on in that firefight that he's got special ammo he doesn't actually explain what that special ammo is till later mm, yeah and yeah because he says on page 15 he says uh muskrat says oh you're wasting your time and he goes oh it's um it's special ammo and then later on he says i'm gonna find the it's bit crazy where he, um, man it just keeps going on it's like one of the longest explanations isn't it it's yeah was it uh discarding mini sabo ultra velocity armor piercing ammo depleted uranium core jacketed with teflon coated tempered titanium steel manufactured with pride in the us of a boom there you go <laughs> crazy yeah, love what it. does he call them what's the nickname uh xm321 i think it is That's a lot it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, like Quality. specialist, you know, we're seeing specialists doing what they do best, and I think that that is what special missions is all about, and what it should be about. And so I think this this hits on all of my all of my happy places. And also, just be, just prior to that, we get them. They take out the they go into the they go into that cavern, which yep. is really f- dangerous for a helicopter, may I add. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of them follows it in there. They let off flares, which blind the two pilots they fire a missile blow it up and it's what's crazy about this is you see the two pilots like one of them jumping out and one of them trying to escape but you don't know what happens to them i mean they're probably dead but at the same time that's i don't know that's just quite that's quite an intense panel isn't it yeah definitely definitely it's you know it's got everything really this issue it's also got uh, i think you mentioned from the first issue there's some nice little speeches which is kind of a, a larryism yeah uh, by the by the bad guys and here you get the helicopter pilots when they're they're trying to go back and take the helicopter back when they realize the joes are going to siphon the fuel and it's a uh, stop you running dog of the oppressive class and crypto fascist enemy of the pro- proletariat again the guy says yes what he said call it <laughs> And then Peter just shoots into the ground in front of them, and they bugger off. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's funny is that he basically says, "Get lost," and they and they're like, "Why are we running? Why are we running, Misha? Didn't he say Glasnost? He says yeah. there was something in his tone. Yeah. Uh, so we know that that's um, we know that guy. One of those guys is called Misha. Yeah. We also get uh, an injury or two. So Lifeline yeah. gets yeah. capped a little, like kind of uh, a little uh, trim on the shoulder, and Muskrat gets one in the, like right in the blooming 
looks like the like from the from the back going through all the way out of his clavicle. Yeah, good panel, really good panel that, yeah. Yeah, really harsh shot. So he's he's patching Muskrat up and then he even mentions, well, there's not going to be anyone to patch any of us up if we don't plug those uh, fuel holes that are, you know, all the the gas is escaping from. Yeah. So again, like we, we a couple of things happen. Lifeline has to show his specialty, which is great. Muskrat becomes the one that gets hit, so he does kind of serve a purpose in this. I know that's a bit harsh to say because he he was you know he's a great soldier and he's brilliant and I love Muskrat anyway. But in terms of specialists for this mission, it's funny that he gets hit. So the the heavy machine gun is fine. The two important, well, I say the helicopter pilots are fine, but even uh, lift ticket gets injured as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think while Bill. Is he the only one who gets a uh, repeater? Yeah, those yeah, two. I guess, while Pill and repeater are the only two that get away with uh, w- without getting hurt. They, they get to the. They finally get to the extraction point. Like they hobble to the extraction point. Or like literally on almost the whole thing is in smoke. It's really funny, isn't it? There's loads yeah, of quality. Like, and the guys jump in, and I think Iceberg is uh, basically having a go, saying, "Oh, I don't know. All you guys do is." Uh, take a ride and enjoy the scenery and then when he yeah. gets on the, the chopper he sees everyone in the back all injured and strapped up and he's like uh and he, <laughs> he's like uh, he says hey it's good to oh, see you, you says muskrat yeah. he says even with my foot in my mouth and he says it's definitely you and I, yeah. I just it's just really good it's a cracking issue man like it's a, it's a great issue i'm actually revising i got i got it wrong the first one my first one i said was a a, a mid seven that was actually the low seven. Oh, okay and this one is actually the high seven Okay, sure. So I got that wrong, but um, yeah. So you you're going you're going an eight for this. You know me so well after just yeah. what four episodes or three episodes. Yeah, yeah I uh, I'm definitely giving this an eight. It's just this is I think this is episode seven. Really? Yeah, maybe um, even eight. Flies by, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I think it's because we do it weekly and it happens right. so often. But yeah, the uh, it's just yeah, so it ticks all of my my boxes. We've got a lot of a lot not of fringe characters. Well, I suppose yeah, we have. We've got a lot of of the roster being utilized and we get to see them in action doing their thing and it's it's just it just ties together really nicely it's a loads of aerial stuff which i really love too so yeah eight good stuff moving on to issue 20 this is called snowblind just check we've got the usual crew yep harma trimpe mizinski felix and yomtov and cover here you've got snow job leaping over a wolf with a toxo viper and a ice viper driving that and he's got a his skis and his satchel and his satchel charge uh, poles yeah. satchel charge yep uh good dynamic cover here yeah really like it i mean um yeah i actually know I, I think it's a lot of fun a lot going on really dynamic and shows off a lot of the uh the action that goes on in this issue yep so this is the joe snow team if you will uh you've got here you've got you've got snow job avalanche and frostbite i think it's just those three isn't it correct and they're they're kind of investigating the october guard feature again and they're doing some kind of ice survey or, or, or probes, whatever. And there's also cobras on the scene, big chases, action, and, and Joe's just want to investigate what what really is going on. I like that October Guard vehicle. I'd like to see that customized into oh, like, the one on the the one on the front page. Yeah, because you could use you could do like a, an APC. Yep. Or and then you know basically kind of customize the front section to have, you know, like the snowcat or the, even the cobra wolf ski kind of axles. Um, I know I'm saying it's very like it's like it's easy to do, but <laughs> I think that would be a really cool custom. If it probably does exist out there somewhere, but I think that is an absolute stonker of a vehicle. Yeah, because this is probably the only time we actually see that vehicle. I guess. I think so. Yeah, they had a different one in that first time they turned up, didn't they? Yeah. So here, the October Guard aren't. They're not 
being advisors or anything to, to any other foreign nations. This is actually a, a Russian mission, I guess. Yeah. And because where are they? They're in, it's Alaska, uh, on the frozen, Be- or the Bering Strait between Alaska and the USSR. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is a good issue. I mean, they pretty much showcase the snow-based skills of, of both teams well here, the, the Cobras and, and the G.I. Joes. Yeah, I like the fact that we get Wild Bill again, but instead of having Wild Bill and Lift Ticket, as we had in the previous issue, we get Slipstream with the C-130. And I think yeah. that, I, I do, I think that's like a good combo as well for as for, for the C-130, because obviously Slipstream being a, a, like a fighter pilot, effectively, yeah. Yeah. Um, might be more at home in the uh, in the cockpit of a of a bigger plane like that. Who's the guy on issue nine who's opening the bay doors? Airborne for the snowcat is that airborne? Okay, he does look a bit airborneish, but I don't think he's name checked anywhere, is he? No, they. I mean, Larry seemed to put airborne in the back of the C one thirty or in the back of any kind of cargo plane for like you know that was like the the thing that would happen, I, and I think that is just airborne. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like airborne. That's that's good. Nice touch. Snowcat. I don't know. If we've seen it much in the G.I. Joe comic, obviously there was that really cool uh, story arc in Action Force with uh, Quick Kick in yeah, the Snowcat. Yeah. That probably predates this as well because this is this is April 89 and that Action Force story came out in late 87, I'm going to say, because uh, it was around issue 14 of Action Force. The Action Force comic came out in, what, March 87 and it was around issue 14 where that Snowcat featured, so it was probably late 87 where we saw the snowcat in action in action force and this is obviously 89 so you know uh, features heavily here and does a great job love the snowcat yeah it's wicked actually you see here i've moved on a few pages you actually see that vehicle that we both like that soviet vehicle firing some rockets it's got skis on the front um that is a cool looking vehicle man and wicked the the joes kind of team up with the october guard as happens with many of their appearances and these these wolves these co- the cobra wolves of there's three of them or there was five i think two of them got taken out three of them are fleeing and then they go into a single file which kind of disguises they're riding single file to hide their numbers these tracks are side by side sand people always ride single file to hide their numbers <laughs> and um so they 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 try following them and then they realize they've got to flank them and this is kind of the the, the special missions bit like you were talking about with strategy yeah, tons so of strategy in this flanking yeah. etc and do we ever actually find out because the joes want to find out what the cobras are doing there do we actually find out what the the soviets were actually what they were doing we're, we're talking about the issue anyway so basically a cobra terror drone pops out of the uh, about uh, out of the ice towards the end of the episode so maybe the october guy and the soviets were there you know, they they'd found some readings around the area of something under the ice, and maybe they were there just trying to search it to find out what it was. Maybe I just uh, didn't. I read the issue about an hour ago, and I've forgotten already. Have I? I don't know how. I don't know how you hide a pterodrome under the. How did they build it? How did they build a pterodrome underwater in the in the Arctic? While Bill and Slipstream are talking, and one of them says the lead BTR is fitted with a multiple rocket launcher pack. Oh, sorry, rack. But the others seem to be carrying ice core samplers and other measuring devices. That's it, Could be yeah. that they're actually on a legit ice survey mission. Sure, yeah. Wild Bill, I suppose it would be mighty useful for Ivan to know just how big an armoured column the ice could support at this time of the year. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I think they've, you know, they've got rumblings of, of some activity under the ice shelf and uh, that's where they're there. And then, yeah, so basically this, this Cobra Pterodrome pops up from out of under the ice. So are we led to believe that this was built under water? Could well be. <laughs> and then just cracks up through the ice. 
and then I don't know how it's come up through the ice and then it doesn't just sink straight back down because it's clearly not <laughs> sitting. Now, now it's not sitting on anything. I'm it's guessing. It's floating, so it's got a big flotilla. I'm guessing that this is, again, it's just for effect, isn't it? It's just to show how ridiculously dangerous and big Cobra is as an organisation, yeah. uh, as a villainous organisation. And this has, like, very big James Bond feels uh to it but like the and and like you know yeah um, it does it's a good shout uh spy love me it does have the the james bond kind of connotations to it and i in my head i could imagine it being securely clamped to some sort of hard base right then there's water and then there's an ice shelf so that's what i think it's just like one of if you remember in that hideous movie uh rise of cobra where yep. they're all underwater in like the like wherever they are in the in the ice, uh, it kind of screams to me something like that, and then they would just raise it up and it would just bust out of the ice shelf. Seems yep. pointless to me, but again, quite cool. Maybe it's yeah. a good hiding place. They drop <laughs> it down again and the ice forms again, so maybe it's a yeah. decent way of hiding it. I like the fact that the bad guys, the cobras, the toxo vipers and the techno vipers, there's a bit of beef. They never they never call they never call anyone by name. They just say techno viper or toxo viper yeah, or yeah. Um, number, number one number yeah. two and you know the techno viper don't do very well and i've got to leave this to the toxo vipers maybe if i do well i'll become a cg yeah, yeah i kind of like that sort of stuff going on but they leave they made a foolish mistake these cobras in the pterodrome and they left the door open <laughs> which enables the gi joes to launch this the, the one remaining ski missile from the snowcat and it launches it along the ice up the ramp into the pterodrome and boom How's your father? Um, so, to, so to speak. Kabo Kathum. Is that going to be on the uh, colloquialism segment? Yeah, um, that, that is an absolute beauty, and away it goes. I, I'm, I'm surprised that one missile did so much damage. Yeah, and it looks small on that explosion. I'm not too happy with the size of that explosion of the pterodrome blowing up. Yeah, there's a lot of big pieces there. It's not as detailed as you'd want it to be, is it? It looks like a toy blowing up, really. Yeah, and then the relevant team's pickup comes while building the C-130 and the Orlan winging ground effect, whatever that is, to pick up the October Guard. And uh, that's it. Well, Bill's like, I hope you boys are going to be able to explain yourself. And Snowjob, and no, frostbite. sorry, uh, Frostbite and Colonel Breakoff, I think we've got pretty good references to vouch for one another. Yeah, well, not really, but... Yeah, uh, <laughs> you don't uh, at all. It's the no. October Guard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, it's a, again, like a, you know, good specialist kind of uh, issue. Again, very entertaining. Enjoyed the the kind of strategic battle and the chase between the the wolf and the the cat. I think they're yeah a, a good solid issue. Yeah, I'm going mid seven for this one. I'm also going mid seven for this one. Yeah, agreed. Let's move on to our final one then of this week, and this is called the Lower Depths. This is Special Missions Twenty One. Cover here. We've got Tunnel Rat in the middle. We've got Airtight on the right. We've got a new character not seen in the comics yet. This is Spearhead. And his bobcat, Max. And he's kind of shining a flashlight towards the reader. I mean, the covers, I wouldn't say it was anything special. I guess it's indicative of what happens in the mission. These three of those are underground in a sewer. Yeah, I noticed Charbrawl wasn't included on that cover either. And Charbrawl's part of the team, yes, but he's not on the cover. Uh, Usual crew, Harmer, Trimpe, Mazinski, Felix and Yomtov. And here, the uh, G.I. Joes are underneath the New York City sewer. Uh, they've been alerted to a cobra presence and uh, they do indeed find cobras who are uh, attaching certain gas canisters to the walls under the sewer and they've also got bad intentions in mind but uh, you'll never guess what their ultimate plan is, is yeah. as you start the issue. 
Yeah. I feel like the special missions is just an excuse for Cobra to win every time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of true. G.I. Joe never really come out on the winning. You know, quite often they get, a, you know, not a tail between their legs, but they get to end the mission. No one really gets gets hurt. or Well, a few people got shot in the last one, but uh, the one before. But, you know, they... Uh, they never really. It's not a big yo-jo party at the end of every special mission for the Joe team, is it? It's it's definitely a. We didn't win, we didn't lose, but we just came out of it. When and Cobra could always come off the best. It's quite a good element of realism in the comics, even though at times it's completely ridiculous. It's yeah. certainly not as ridiculous as the Sumbo cartoon, which I love yeah. as well, by the way. But at yeah. the same time, like the issues in Larry, he always tried to keep it grounded in some way, and I think by having them not Victor every single issue kind of gave it more credence and a little bit more you know respect from the the actual readers kind of like you know you're not being dumbed down to this is not just the hero wins at the end it's like there's a lot of complexity a lot of stuff to learn and the way hammer wrote these things for kids it's like damn you you were getting history lessons as well like each time and you could then it made me want to learn more about this stuff like it made me want to go out and find out what you know, all of this stuff meant in terms of, you know, just the words on their own. A lot of the time he's got one hell of a vocabulary. Correct, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to flat out say this is my least favourite of the four we've read so far. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 there's, a, there's an element of silliness to it. I think there? that is the silliness. I don't like Spearhead and Max. I don't like the fact that there's a bobcat on the G.I. Joe team. <laughs> yeah. I, this opening page is really, really good, though. I like the fact that, you know, the Joe team in the background kind of wading through the the sewer with their yeah. flashlights in the foreground you've got these rats on a on a barrel and then in the background you've got charbroil who's kind of is he you know i'm not really I, again my only exposure to him is through the comics and he doesn't really show up much never had the figure don't know anything about him outside of the comics but he's portrayed in this issue to be a real kind of history nerd is that part of his file card you know he's reading you know, I love New York tour guide in the first few pages, and he's all about you know the location and the history behind it and stuff. But um, they only go on about his like love for open flames in the original, in like the bio card. It's all you okay. know talk about like he would heat the I don't know like the the what are they called like fa- the pipes in the family basement or something along those lines. Okay, and uh, um, he would he would heat them in the winter as a child, and and you know make sure they they didn't freeze and all that kind of stuff. And then something about uh, when they asked him what job he wanted, he was like, anything with fire or anything with okay. uh, flames or stuff like that, yeah. Right. Uh, we, we see Xandar here. We haven't seen Xandar since, God, I don't, I don't know, probably at least two or three years. Lieutenant Joe Fact here. Chief incorrectly stated we had not seen Xandar in the comic for approximately three years. Of course, we saw him with his sister Zorana at the scam conference and during Civil War. Chief, drop and give me 20. Now back to the show. In the Real American Hero, because I guess... You know, when you've got a large cast of that family, you've got, you know, I think Larry preferred using Zartan, Zanzibar, Zanzibar, Zorana, much to, much instead of Zandar. But, um, Plus, it's like, it's not it, a big mission. Like, that's the other no. thing. Like, Co- Cobra are using their their fringe characters to for this particular mission because they know that it's not super yeah. important. It's like something that Zorana's in charge of, which we find out a little bit later on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Zorana's quality. Zandar Zan- doesn't really do anything. It, he, he didn't need to be there really i guess but you know just chuck more characters in but they find all these canisters on the wall and it's you know handily got a cobra symbol on it so they (laughs) you know they left it behind they do a quick test and it's not nerve gas and then it gets a bit weird because they find this 
kind of underground. It made it feel like you know something out of X Men, like the Morlocks under the yeah. under the city, or maybe a Daredevil. Had Turtles vibes for me. Turtles vibes, yeah, because they find this pristine kind of underground sanctum, which is being you know there's there's a load of guys who don't want to be, nothing to do with the upworlders or whatever and they're led by this old sarge who's smoking a pipe which is straight out of popeye yeah and you know he doesn't he's ex-army but he doesn't want to have anything to do with the, the modern uh military or anything it's just i don't know it's just a bit overly gi joe is silly anyway but it's just kind of went a step too far for me this issue no i agree and then obviously they utilize the sarge to kind of help them find you know they kind of talk him into helping them find the or you know uh, find the cobra guys that kind of went through that area of the uh, sewer and he he kind of reluctantly kind of obliges takes them on like you know leads point and then they come across like an albino alligator or an albino crocodile i can't remember which one it is Oh uh, yeah, yeah, alligator, and it's like you know they talk about you know kids used to flush these down the the toilet, and some of them survived, and it's like okay, cool. So you know, just it seems a bit pointless because nothing really comes of it. They get the Sarge back on side because he doesn't want anything. He's like leads them to the Cobras. He says, right now, do your do 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 your stuff. I'm out of here. But they kind of get him back on side because they need to get an exit strategy. So they convince him that he is required, you know, and help us get out of here quick. Only you can do it. So that steals him a little bit, and then you know he kind of does a 180 effectively because buzzer's chucked a grenade down and the the sarge has thrown himself onto the grenade to take the hit for the joes it turns out to be a dud grenade but the guys had a heart attack anyway and dead i know that's so that's like wow (laughs) what a downer i know big downer and then we we also find out that the cobra nerve gas is actually a stink bomb yep (laughs) and which again is like a you know massive lols and then after that we we find out what the point of this whole thing was it was all distraction it was to keep the joes off the scent of what they really wanted to do which was kind of connecting to the phone lines and basically make a ton of money by uh, operating a cobra switchboard that's it basically literally we're going to make many millions and then like you say you cut to a load of cobra operators who are taking all these calls 49.95 cash check or money order and then you have been chosen as a finalist and are eligible to win a million dollars all you have to do is send us dot 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 yeah there's another one which is get one uh, free mail one free (laughs) 29.99 to cover postage and handling blah 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 and they're going to make millions from this apparently but um yeah, I don't want to spend too much longer talking about this issue. Yep, no uh, worries. And I'm just going to give it a five. There you go. I'm going to... You see, I know you hate Spearhead and Max. I actually do. No, I don't, I, I don't hate I them, like... but um, just he looks and feels like a bit of a dusty-ish slash footloose clone with a bobcat. Just not necessary for me. Yeah, well, for me, I, I mean, I love the character and, and Max. I think they're they're really cool, but... In this issue, what's the point of them? Like, there's no... They're yeah. not using their specialties. Tunnel rat, yes airtight yes yeah char brawl even and that's dangerous in a sewer i mean like yeah. a sewer's filled with all sorts of gases you let, let off a blooming flamethrower and everyone's going up so I, I thought that was a bit of an odd choice as well the fact that spearhead and max are there is just because he's squeezing them in to you know to give them airtime but all max does really is is one uh, near the beginning he tips them off to a threat which is already buggered anyway because tunnel rats popped his head around the corner so you know, he, it, that negates any help he could have been there. And then he doesn't die during the nerve t- gas thing. So it's like, okay, well, we know we, we're okay. We're safe. And it's, again, it's like you don't take a bobcat down there during, during like nerve gas and stuff just to make sure, it, you know, you're going to be safe. Like it, 
that doesn't it just seems a bit odd so yeah i agree with you and i'm going to go five as well okay cool yeah that wraps up the issues this week so staying on the gi joe theme we of course need to have a little section called chris talks toys chris talks toys dun, dun, dun. this week i have been mostly talking yep. cobra wolf Ah. Supplied with the Ice Viper, of course, as well. Because I just think it's an absolute beauty. I had this as a kid and loved all the features. The, my only... Actually, my, I'll, I'll, I'll point it out early doors. My only real downer was how the cockpits kind of connected. Because for my one specifically as well, like it was really stiff to actually get back in place. And it didn't really sit... Like You had to keep messing with it for it to sit perfectly. I'm not sure if other people have had that same issue. But um, that was my only downer on this. It was just a little bit, you know. And, and let's face it, you'd rather have a stiff cock, but you'd rather have a stiff cock to it than a loose than one. a flaccid one, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> in any case, pack full of features. Again, like I said, it came out in the US in 87, and it was on our store shelves in 89. So we got it a couple of years later. And I say a couple of years, but it's probably more likely just over a year because it would have been... You know, so sometimes they come out late 87 and then early 89. So you're not talking that long, really, a lot of the time. But it just sounds like a long time because of the, the use of years and not months. Attacking on snow and ice, the Cobra Wolf with twin laser cannons and special ski torpedoes. It's the Techno Viper! Cobra Wolf is vicious on ice and snow and hot on the trail of G.I. Joe! G.I. The Adventure of G.I. Joe, Cobra Sea Ray, Cobra Wolf, and other vehicles and figures sold separately. It was a toy I think I had for Christmas or birthday, and I remember just just loving it. And the Ice Viper was cool, but the the features on the actual toy were brilliant. Like like I said, you had two cockpit spots, so you could have two figures sitting inside the vehicle. The Ice Viper would drive, and then you could have anyone else you wanted in there. Any other, I mean, like Snow Serpents or someone along those lines would be really cool for this vehicle i was surprised that you get like toxo vipers and stuff in that issue that was the only i was kind of like why but again like you know i think it would have been great to see some more of the cobra winter specialists in that situation not that there are many and then i would and obviously you've got this kind of rotating kind of double gun which kind of gets in the way of the top cockpit but obviously can be swiveled around easily for that to be open so it's no big deal it has these incredible snow ski missile kind of torpedo things that, which are cool which would fire on like the uh, off the top to the right of the cockpit or to the left as you look at it face on and they would slide into these little kind of sections so they were really cool and underneath that there was like this kind of missile rack which you could poke up and it would be exposed and you could slide out the four red missiles that are kind of locked in you could see the the locking mechanism on from the top as you closed it because you could, they'd, they'd poke out and they'd be red. The yeah. front would have this kind of like flexible up and down, yeah, these kind of skis at the front, which would act as like a stabilizer. I would I would suggest it also had this kind of like half tracks on each side, but then on either side of those you had skis anyway, which connected and came out with little foot pegs on so they were almost like skis for figures which were really cool as well so you had all these like beautiful little touches and uh, features and stuff and you know you could fit loads of characters on the on the on the cobra wolf it was re- loads of fun and a vehicle that i you know basically fell in love with the ice viper that he came with uh, let's let's go through his uk file card 
Cobra Wolf Driver, Ice Vipers are the mechanised branch of the Snow Serpents, both of which must first qualify as Cobra Eels. They must take the additional training of Techno Vipers and be prepared to service and repair their own vehicles in hostile Arctic environments. Ice Vipers are fed a special high-fat diet to help retain body heat and have their faces depilated to prevent frost from their breath icing up their beards. Nice. (laughs) Uh, When it's 40 degrees below zero on the tundra and everybody is buttoned up tight in their shelter because an ice storm is blowing in from the north, that's when you have to worry about the Ice Vipers sneaking up on you. Out there in the big whiteness, there isn't any place to hide. Whoever bundles up first because he figures it's too cold to fight loses. They're basically techno vipers and eels with also arctic training (laughs) yes amazing uh one thing i used to like about the actual figure was the oh no not necessarily like about the figure but used to find really intriguing was the fact they were given size and those size would clip to the side of their body so like you know Raphael's weapons from the turtles yeah yeah really weird choice of you know especially like the cobra eels and techno vipers and now they're ice vipers and they've been given ninja weapons i find like quite intriguing in any case when do they think they were ever going to use those i know know. really weird but they they amazingly clipped on the side of their legs and and made again for an awesome feature on a driver the helmet is removable and 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 it kind of covers half their face it's almost like regular copa truba helmet with then goggles pulled down so it kind of means that you can have this kind of like very cool looking goggled up look or you could take that off and they've got that kind of red balaclava on and interestingly enough the ice viper i remember thinking that the figure actually looked quite feminine i know that's going to sound weird but like they had almost like a rather protruding chest area and uh, and i used to think i used to kind of think well it could be either female or male figure uh, yeah. And, you know, you could disagree with me on that, uh, in uh, listeners out there, totally. But it just had that feel to me, like it could have been either or. So you could use it as a female or a male operative. And I used to find that quite interesting. And um, my Ice Viper as a kid was a female in my head. Okay, there you uh, go. And that, again, that's, again, that's pure conjecture. Interestingly enough, it does mention as well on Blood for the Baron that the Ice Vipers were released in 88. So it could be that the actual Cobra Wolf, obviously it had to come out with the Cobra Wolf, it could be that that could be a typo and it could have been an 88 release. So I I personally believe it probably straddled both years around Christmas and that's why there's a okay. bit of uh, conjecture up there. Either way, we got it you know, after the US got it. One more thing I want to say is that the box... The boxes for the UK version and the yeah the UK Action Force release and the US GI Joe release are almost identical. With the, the again the similar differences as there's not as much small print and you get a fake window box for the figure to show off the figure as opposed to the Americans which had the actual f- real window box that showed off the actual figure. So right. the box art's gorgeous. It's like one of my favourite. Again, a, another big favourite kind of pieces of art. You've got the Ice Viper and Crocmaster behind him. So an even ah. weirder choice. Yep. And on the side, hugging one of the the sides of the Cobra Wolf that's on show, is a Techno Viper, interestingly enough. Ah, yes. Nice. So carry on. All finished I, now. No, I was just going <laughs> to say, I never I never had it or even... I have never seen it in person. But from the comic, it always looked really cool. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Great looking vehicle. And... Um, that's given me much more appreciation for the Ice Viper now, just knowing that Filecast stuff. Quality sounds sounds like sounds like a cool dude. Or dudette. 
Or Dudette, yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, I imagine yours is called Leslie. Uh, which is also a male or female name. That's so, a genius. That's yes. genius. You're a genius, yes, Chief. there you go, there you go. Well, it's been said before uh, by you just then. Um, by me. Chris by me. will be talking about more toys next week. Um, I always look forward to that segment. Um, but now we have to go over to British colloquialisms, a.k.a. over-egging the pudding. We got a pudding. We're going to egg it. We got a pudding. We're gonna over-egg it, we gotta put in We got no criticisms, that means it's time for some British colloquialisms And this week, uh, the phrase that I heard used in a conversation was with someone who had recently This is someone at work, they just uh, painted their shed with possibly with even Ron Seal Which was, uh, does what it says on the tin um, <laughs> That's but, for next uh, week <laughs> afterwards they had said they were really chuffed to bits uh, with and uh, not to be confused with up the chuff, obviously, but chuffed <laughs> to bits, which basically means really pleased. It was yep. a really good job, well done. Chuffed to bits. Yeah, chuffed is as well on its own. You know, I'm chuffed about that as well. Yeah. Like it's it's one of those ones. It's like even when I hear it, when I when I say it, and Americans are in the you know vicinity, I yeah. always go, Ooh, they're not gonna they're gonna think I mean something like you know you've been stuffed with something rude. Yes, which a lot of our British colloquialisms seem to kind of operate around yeah. they sound all of them sound really rude don't they yeah which leads me to mine which doesn't necessarily found, sound rude but it did confuse the crap out of a lot of americans go on and that's the term fit as a butcher's dog <laughs> fit as a butcher's dog nice <laughs> which my dad used to say all the time and i would have you know i picked up at an early age and i've used it in the states in the in the past and I, you just get the funniest looks because yeah. no one wants to say what are you talking about? They, they always feel a bit too rude to say it. Some people will, but yep. for the most part, it's like you know what? Well, no one's gonna no one's gonna argue with fit as, fit as a butcher's dog, which just means very fit because butchers' dogs are tended to have very good uh, like you know uh, owners that would yes. feed them a lot of good food and yes. and keep them exercise and you know give them lots of exercise. I don't know the the full. Uh, history. I just made that up based on what it means. Um, well, my my mum's a butcher, and it's in her side of the family. Her, my granddad, her dad, when he came back from the war, the war, uh, he was in Sicily, and about fifty years ago, he uh, started up a butcher shop uh, in our local town of Verwood in Dorset. And awesome, yeah. My mum worked there from the age of sixteen onwards, and my uncle took over the shop uh, when my granddad retired. And yeah, he had a dog. My uncle, uh, it was an Alsatian. And yeah, he was always very fit. So there you go. There you go. Adds credence to the story. And also, just to add the origin of the phrase, the allusion to a butcher's dog is to a dog that would be expected to be very well fed from scraps. Why that is considered to epitomise fitness isn't clear, as it might be thought more likely that the dog would be overweight than yeah. fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't worry about that. We just uh, we just worry about the saying. Yeah. Good stuff. There'll be more sayings and phrases that Americans have no idea what we're talking about next week. But there's what man. This show is full of segments because we've got another one coming up. This is the last segment of the show, and it is of course Chief Ask Chris a question. Chief Ask Chris a question. What'll he say? What'll he do when Chief asks Chris a question? Are you, my friend, are you a pizza man? Yes. 
But okay. you're, something I haven't actually That's not divulged. the question. That's not the okay. actual question, okay. by the way. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it in my answer then. Go on then. Okay. Um, so it's a twofold question. Uh, number one, if you're, I don't know if you make pizzas, but let's just say you're feeling lazy, you're going to order a takeaway pizza. What is your takeaway pizza brand of choice? And the second question is, you can only put three toppings on the pizza. What are those three toppings? Okay. And the toppings aren't cheese or tomato. Got you. Okay, so I have to premise this massively. Yep. Now, something I haven't divulged on the show as yet, and that maybe some people will know from the full force, I'm not sure if you've even mentioned it on there, yep. is that I'm actually dairy-free. So, okay. And the reason for that is because my wife, Kate, is allergic to a lot of dairy products. And she, we, we were kind of, when we first got together, I th- you know, just for ease, yep. I decided to go vegan with my okay. wife and um but the thing is we're not vegan okay so uh, but we started well kate used to be and and i started off in the marriage that way now the reason for that was a lot of different reasons one i fancied trying it out anyway and two my wife is the most incredible cook in the like it's it's ridiculous like i she can make so many things and it's just amazing including pizzas now we love pizzas, but the problem is just recently we've we, we've we've shifted from veganism now to because we like fish, so we'll eat yep. fish. Okay. So like the it's, we can't say we're vegans, okay? Uh, so before everyone gets on my back and says all sorts of stuff, oh you're a vegan, whatever. Like it, I, just f- you anyway. It's my f- life. I'll do what the f- I want with it. Now I'm trying to be a pescatarian, and I ate ten burgers the other day. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. so um, yeah. So basically, uh, we switched to like yeah like you say a pescatarian diet basically you know uh, but but also dairy free it's very confusing yep. okay it's very picky but um what we end up doing is kate makes these incredible pizzas and you this is probably gonna get even more heat but um i am a massive fan of pickles now the little kind of sweet chip pickles that you get yep. a massive fan of them right and we <laughs> I said to her one night, I said, honey, I know this is going to sound really weird um, in bed as well. We were at the time and she pro- she probably got really worried at this stage. Like, oh, my God, what the hell is he going to ask me? Make me an all pickle pizza. <laughs> I said, I want a pickle pizza oh, on barbecue did. sauce base. And she was like, that sounds mental, but I'll yes. do it for you because I love you. So it's like, okay, okay, great. So she makes this. And, and the other thing is, obviously... <laughs> lot of allergies on kate's side of the family i don't really have that i mean i have some i have like some some allergies but for most part when it comes to food it's just for me it's just no spice because if i have spicy things like really spicy things they just shoot straight through me so there's more information for you guys excellent now the in terms of the pizza i love that she made this pickle pizza with cheese diet cheese like the kind of vegan cheese on a gluten-free base so it has like nothing in it that makes a pizza usually yeah and this barbecue base with a stuffed crust of of this cheese which is unreal by the way like you wouldn't know the difference and i can say that because i've had both and the and pickles all over it and it was (laughs) absolutely sublime so that was one of my favorite pizzas of all time all pickles barbecue base trust me I don't care if you don't like it. It's amazing. Anyway, next up, you asked me what three... Yeah, three toppings on a pizza. What are your three toppings? So pickles is one. You can hate this as well. Like, Pizza Hut do vegan cheese in the UK. So if I I had to choose a 
takeaway one, I would do yep. a Pizza Hut one, and Pizza I would Hut. have, okay. yep. I would have on it. Uh, so in the U- U.S., we don't have that option, unfortunately. But in the U.K., I would have a Hawaiian on barbecue base. Can you believe okay. that? Can you believe that? Yes, I can. Well, that that was my there that was my choice in the U.K. Okay. Uh, and that that should give you all the information you need to know. Everyone's going to hate me because I've just said pickles. I've said pineapple with <laughs> barbecue not, none yeah. of it's meat based i know the hawaiian has ham on it but i would have yeah. obviously have a, a vegan re- replacement yep okay good stuff good stuff there'll be loaded question fully there'll, loaded there'll be another question for chris next week will it be pop culture will it be food based who knows i don't even know because i haven't even thought of the question yet it's probably food based it's probably food based <laughs> um yes because i did because i had if you weren't a pizza man i had a backup food question so you'll probably get the other food question next week can Chris ask Chief a question quickly? Never. Yes, of course you can. What's your favourite pizza? I'm a big anchovy man. So, oh, lovely. I, um, I also like anchovies, yeah. I like anchovies. I like pepper juice, which are kind of a sweet bell pepper. Yep. Kind of a pickled sweet bell pepper. Sounds uh, lovely. Uh, anchovies, maybe some sun-dried tomatoes. My goodness, um, it sounds great. And uh, a real good dusting of herbs. Well, you've gone up in my estimation. I was, I'm glad I didn't hear margarita. Or, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a hugely pretentious pizza covering as well. I love yes. it. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. In fact, I'm probably going to have one. Oh, hot damn. This is a... I did not get chips and curry sauce because <sighs> it's not a Wednesday. So what am I going to do? I'm probably going to have to go and buy some now, right after this show finishes. <laughs> but if, when you're listening to the show, don't forget to uh, go and get your chips and curry sauce ready or your anchovy slash uh, pepper dew slash uh, herbs. Stop slashing on your pizza. Pizza or the, the, the pickle pizza that Chris mentioned. But um, Apologies to everyone, but I'm, I'm not really apologizing with that in mind that is now the end of all the segments the only segments left is to tell you to which if you want to do your homework for next week you can do that you can read special missions 22 23 24 and 25 this is not what i told chris earlier today so again i'm springing that on him so it's 22 23 24 and 25 for special missions catch us in all the usual places that's talking underscore joe on twitter talking joe comics on instagram talking joe comics at gmail.com or talking joe a gi joe podcast on the facebook uh, where can the people find you, good sir? Diagnostic80 on most things, D-I-A-G-N-O-S-T-I-K-8-0. And of course, Full Force, The Full Force Podcast, The Full Force on pretty much everything. Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Hit us up. Yeah. If you like us, uh, you know, leave a review, give us five stars and all that jazz. Uh, helps bump us up the rankings, uh, you know, gets more people listening. So well, with that uh, said and done, we will catch you down the road. Bye. Don't do it!